Hello, my name is Carl Lloyd Hauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So Lord, I just ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would come, that you would uh, speak to every single one of us. Lord, I know uh, that there's no one here who's here by accident. And so I ask Jesus that uh, you would say something to each of us. I pray that uh, my words would fall away and that your words would come forward. And Lord, I pray that we would just open our hearts to what you want to do right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in our uh, second week of this series, Prophet, Priest, and King. And uh, we're looking at these three offices of Jesus, these three things that it's not all that he did, but uh, throughout Christian history, a lot of church leaders would say these are kind of the the major things that we see in the Old Testament uh, that carry into the New Testament that Jesus did and fulfilled and did completely well and perfect. And so we talked about prophet last week, that Jesus is our prophet. And this week we're going to talk about Jesus as our priest. Now, imagine that uh, the President of the United States uh, called you up and said, hey, uh, I want to have lunch with you and uh, just get your opinion on some things. Uh, You know, tell me a little bit about inflation and what I should do with that. Or maybe, uh, how about Putin? What do you think about him? And uh, he wants to know what you had to think about all that. And uh, he brought you in. And and could you imagine just uh, how amazing? And what if he just kept inviting you back every single week? Uh, Did you know that actually, this is true, that I had a chance to influence the most powerful man in the world? Some of you who've been here for years may know that, but this, this, I seriously, I influenced the most powerful man. And so this is how it happened. I was uh, working in uh, Loveland, a group, and um, uh, publishing there, and uh, President Bush was actually coming through Loveland, and he was going to go up to the YMCA of the Rockies and give a little speech there. And so um, at that time, I, I liked President Bush, and I was thinking like, how could I get invited into his motorcade without getting arrested? Is there a way... <laughs> that that could happen, right? And so now, when you, if you've ever seen like the motorcade of the president, it is amazing the power behind that. I mean, there's helicopters all over the place. They put like the scuba team in Lake Loveland. I don't know why, but maybe if like, I don't know if he's gonna drive in a lake or something. And then there was like uh, just police everywhere. And I mean, there's just power. You could just feel the power as they're coming through, like don't get in their way. But I was like, I want him to stop and take me along with him. So I thought, well, what could I do? Well, at that time, um, uh, President Bush had just issued this uh, executive order where um, all of us received $600 back in a tax rebate. I don't know if you remember that. But um, so I thought, you know what? If I was the president, I would stop for a thankful guy. So I, I made this sign. I put this big sign up and said, thanks for the $600. Okay, and so I put that sign out there. And then uh, I just held my sign. And then they all went driving by. And of course, you can't even tell what car he's in as he goes by. But um, I, I saw people like in his motorcade kind of pointing at it and laughing. All right. And so then that was it. They didn't stop. They didn't pick me up. But... Here's the, this is where like I changed the course of the free world, all right? (laughs) So the next day, um, I read his uh, um, speech up at the YMCA of the Rockies, and he said, his first line was, I saw the sign that said, thanks for the $600, and I want you to know that it was yours in the first place. See, I mean, I've changed the world. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Yeah. Did you know your pastor influenced 
the free world. And so then I thought, hey, you know what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to take a little picture of myself with the sign and I'm going to send him an email. And I, so I did. And I sent an email to the White House and I said, hey, I know what I want to do with my $600. I want to take you and Barbara out for dinner. So I sent that over and I never got a response and I'm sure that like I'm on a file now, there's a file on me of like men who are not allowed to be near President Bush probably is what, what's uh, happened, but that uh, took place. Now, here's the thing is that you actually, um, you don't have access. See, this whole idea of priest, it, it's about access and, and you don't just have access to the President of the United States, you, you have complete access to the president of the universe, to the creator. And, and you don't get to just have like one meeting with them. I mean, it, wouldn't it be enough if God said, hey, we're gonna have our annual planning meeting and you get to come in, you get to talk to me once a year. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? But, but you get to talk to him every day and you get to connect with him every single day and be with him. You know, what does it take to be with, with, with the creator? And it's because Jesus has come as our go-between. And see, we don't understand this because we've been living in the New Testament, the New Covenant now for a couple thousand years. See, but it wasn't always like this. The access to God in the Old Testament is very different than it is in the New Testament. And that in the Old Testament, we see that there's a priest. There's someone who has to come between us and help us get to God. And Jesus came and he removed all that so we have direct access. This is amazing. So there was a priest that actually is in the middle, that God is other and that God is separate. God is over there and someone has to kind of bring us to him. In fact, one time, if you, you could read about this in Leviticus 16, really a fascinating passage. There's, there's one time every year, it's Yom Kippur, also called the Day of Atonement, where, where they would, the priest, the, the high priest would go in and only one time a year would he go into the most holy place, the holy of holies in the temple where God's presence was. One time a year he would go in and, and he would have these, first of all, he would have to make a sacrifice for himself with a bull to, because there's sin and, and we, have to, we have to deal with our sin before we go in. And then, amazing thing, he would take these two goats and then one goat called the scapegoat, if you've heard that term, this is where it comes from, he would take all the sins of Israel and he would pray them onto the scapegoat. And then they would send that scapegoat out into the desert, into the wilderness. And it would just, it would walk out there and then he would take uh, the other goat and, and pray for it and then sacrifice that goat for all the people's sins. It's an amazing thing because if you remember, a number of years later, there was a criminal who was let go with all the sin and another one who was sacrificed, the innocent one who was sacrificed for all our sins. Of course, we're talking about Jesus. And this amazing picture of what God does. But even for the priests to go in there, there had to be sacrifice. And so the whole point when you're reading Leviticus 16 and you're looking through all these rituals and ceremonies and sacrifices, what we see is there is a problem. There is a separation. And it's not just like a little disagreement between us and God. Not a, not a misunderstanding, but there is this gulf that cannot be crossed because God is perfect and we have sin and we need help to get to God. This tremendous gulf. And in his mercy, God, God brought the priests and the whole system to say, okay, this is what we'll do with these temporary sacrifices because I still want to have relationship with you. But then he brings the perfect priest. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Hebrews, talks all about this. And we're going to dig in. It's maybe a little more theological than we're used to here. But let's jump in to Hebrews 9 and let's go to verse 11 here. 
And it says, when Christ came as high priest. So we see here he is, our priest of the good things that are already here. He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves like we just talked about, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Boy, there's just such a packed statement right there. Cleanse our consciousness, consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Not once a year, but once and for all. And not bulls and not goats and not over and over again and not an imperfect sacrifice, but his life, the perfect sacrifice. And because of that, there is no longer a need for a go-between. And it's lost on us. Because we've been living without the need for a go-between for all this time. We don't understand how monumental this is. How incredible it is that we have direct access to God. See, in the Old Testament, you see the Holy the Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come on a person for a moment. They would prophesy and then just kind of depart. And then come again at these different moments. And how amazing and how beautiful and how wonderful it is that because this perfect sacrifice is made, that all of your sins are taken care of at all time, that now we live in his presence. That his Holy Spirit is with us all the time. It doesn't just come for moments, but any moment, like right now, if you wanted just to say, I love you, Holy Spirit, guide me, Holy Spirit, he is right there with you at this very moment. It's amazing. Now let's dig in a little bit deeper here. So go over to Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll pick up at verse 14. Again, learning about this high priest, it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, this is why Jesus' nature is so incredibly important. And, and so Jesus is fully God, comes from heaven, and fully man. Now, every priest before was fully man, but was missing the divine. God's very nature speaks to the work that he did. Heaven comes to earth, bringing heaven and earth together. See, we were far from God in holiness, but Jesus brought holiness to us. And here's this beautiful thing is that he can empathize. Listen, he gets it. He understands. He knows what it means to feel hungry. He knows what it means to be betrayed. He, he knows what it means to be tempted, that Jesus was tempted. So he gets it. It's just an amazing thing. And so God, Jesus can truly say, I understand. I get it. Now, what, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to think of one person that you don't like very much. One person in your life that you're mad at, okay? All right, now, now do this. Think about this. Why are they that way? Why do you think they act that way? And I bet things are coming to mind like, whoa, they had a rough childhood. Right? Or they've gone through some serious losses. Or they've had these difficulties and they just haven't been able to, to, to humble themselves. They, they haven't known how to fight through it. They, you know, no one's reached out and kind of touched their heart and loved them in the midst of this. Now, careful, 
Because you're starting to have empathy for them right now. You're starting to understand what they're going through. See, Jesus understands what they're going through. And Jesus understands what you're going through. He gets it. He knows what you meant before you said those words. He knows what you were hoping for. He knows what you're afraid of. And he knows why you are afraid of it. He knows why that sin that you jumped into, why it was so attractive and the need that you were trying to meet in the middle of it. And he knows your hurts and he knows your tears. And listen, he gets it. He gets it for you and he gets it for them. Some of us, we just need to understand some of his empathy. Lord, give me empathy for that person who's driving me crazy. Help me to get it like you do. And here's the beautiful thing is that he is always doing something in your life. That he allowed you to walk through. So, you know, when you go through a difficult time, one of the things that I don't believe that God brings evil on us, right? He can't. And we go through evil things and we go through difficult things, but we have a promise that he is always working in the middle of them. And I firmly believe that when I walk through something that God said, okay, I'm going to allow that for Carl because I have something for him in it. I don't know about you, but that's great comfort to me because I, th I think about like the things I'm afraid of. Well, what if that happens? And what if that happens? And then I know, I'm like, well, God is always working. So there, there's something that he has for me in it. There, he, he and the father got together and they said, well, we're going to let Carl walk through this because there's something I want to do in him. We're going to let him go through this difficulty because there's a change that I'm going to bring, that he's always doing something. Now, I want to show you, it's just, this, it gets even more marvelous here. And this is actually, um, Hebrews 4, 16 is my favorite verse in the Bible. This is my life verse, you know. I don't know if you have one, but like, this is kind of like the verse that I always hold on to and, and the one that I know and that I live in. And it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. So the next verse here is verse 16. And he says, let us then, because of this high priest, let us then approach the throne of grace, and I love this, with confidence. So we don't come sheepishly. We don't come like, well, maybe God will, will pay attention to me. We come marching right in. Like you would to, to your daddy's chair, you know, just, you don't sit there like, oh, should I go give my dad a hug or not? Should I go sit by him? You just go right in with confidence in your time of need so that we may receive mercy and find grace. Sorry. So we may find, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, when is the right time to run to God? Every time. Anytime. All the time. When you are being tempted, Run to God. In the middle of the sin, run to God. Right after the sin, run to God. See, here's, here's the great difference with Christianity in every other way to God is that we find help in our need. Every other one is we, we get help when we have earned it. When we finally please the gods, when we finally make them happy, we do what they want, then we get help. It's the exact opposite. See, there, there's a belief right there, right now, many of us hold, get your act together so you can come to God. And this passage here, I love it because it is the exact opposite. Go to God to get your act together. We come to him in the middle of our need, confidently. And there's this great commitment from Jesus that he has given to you. And it is, I am with you always. Now, how often is always? 
win is always. Always is always. So what that means, if Jesus is telling the truth and he can't lie, that means that it, when we are in the middle of our sin, he is what? With us. Right there. Right afterwards, he is with us. Before, he is with us. When you're grumpy and you're mean, like because the fire alarm went off before church, <laughs> he is with us. He's walking with us, right? All times. Always. What a beautiful, amazing promise. There's no ebb and flow. God is not capricious. You know, he's just, ah, I'm happy with you. Now I'll hang out with you. I'm with you always. There's no break in his walking with you. This is just beautiful, amazing things that Jesus is our priest. Now let's go over to Hebrews 7 and dig in even a little bit more. It says now, verse 23 of Hebrews 7. Now there have been many of those priests. These are these earthly priests, many of them, since death prevented them from continuing in office. So one dies and another one has to come. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Now, this is a powerful, powerful verse here. Because he always lives to intercede for them. A priest is interceding for his people. Now, what does that mean? Now, now the Greek here, it means a formal request. It means to plead on behalf. Romans 8.35 tells us that he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Now, first of all, I think the first meaning of this passage is that his sacrifice always remains to intercede for us. It always brings us forward. But I also believe that God is literally talking about you right now. That Jesus is talking with the Father and saying, hey, here's our son, here's our daughter, what are we going to do with them? They need this. We got to take them through this. And this is what they're going through right now. And that Jesus is actually always intervening on your behalf. It's amazing. He's always helping you out. It's just an amazing example in 1 Samuel 25, where God is just helping David. And so David and his men, uh, they're out there uh, in the wilderness running from Saul. But at the same time, they're protecting this man named Nabal. And they're protecting all of his, uh, um, his sheep and, and the rest and uh, taking care of his men. And so Nabal now, he's going to have a, uh, it's time for the harvest. And so David comes down, he's like, you know what, we've been taking care of you, you haven't taken anything, we would like to have uh, just a little blessing. We'd like to have a little share uh, payment for taking care of you all. And Nabal insults him, and he sends his men back, and he's just cruel with them. And then we see David's heart arise, and his passions arise. So David says, okay guys, get your swords, we're going to go wipe out Nabal, and we're going to wipe out his whole family, and not a single one of them is going to be alive after we're done. So it seems like a little bit of an overreaction to me. And so he's on the way, and then Abigail, Nabal's wife, comes, and she brings this big gift, lays, kind of bows down before him like, so sorry. Please forgive us. And then let's look here real quick in 1 Samuel. After, uh, so David turns around and he doesn't fight him. He doesn't kill him. And uh, actually Nabal hears about it later and he has a heart attack and he dies. And it says in verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt, which is just a really good lesson for us to let God take care of revenge for us, Right? But then check this out. He has kept his servant from doing wrong. 
So David knows, ah, I got a little, overreacted a little bit here. It was a little bit of passion kind of jumping in my heart there. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. See, this is an amazing thing where God is actually intervening and bringing in Abigail to save David before he makes a huge mistake. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we, we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I want you to understand that Jesus as our intercessor is doing that exact thing. That you're actually, you get these ideas in your head and they're bad ideas. And God sends Abigails. He's actually intervening for you. You're heading that way and, and maybe your wife or your husband says, ah, pay attention here. And he's actually heading it off at the pass. See, there, there's this false idea that many of us, that God is just, I mean, he's kind of just watching you ready. Right, okay, you're going to mess up here. Maybe you'll mess up here. The, get that out of your mind. The truth is, is that he is fighting for you. And he's intervening for you. He's interceding for you, trying to bring victory for your life. It's amazing that he's actually trying to bring you in to victory. And any place that I stand in victory is by his grace. That he came for my victory. And then we read in Jude 24, unto him who is able to keep you from falling, right? He has the power to keep you on the right path. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And we need to take that verse back because for some reason, a lot of Christians have taken that to mean, well, I'll never have more than I can handle. I have more than I can handle every week. I need God's help just to make it right now. I can't handle this. But what that verse is saying is that you do not have to sin. That God will provide a way out. He'll bring an Abigail. He'll bring away. You've got to embrace it. You've got to grab it. You've got to decide. But you don't have to fall because we have a great high priest and we have an advocate. Do you understand what an advocate does? Okay, so um, we, uh, Gina, I think I've told you before that Gina's dad gave us this really old camper a number of years ago. And so um, we're trying to, we, we want to get the tags for it, you know, and, and just pay our taxes. That's all we want to do. But we have a problem because uh, Gina's dad, he passed away last year. And so um, we go to pay our taxes. And they said, well, uh, you can't do that. Um, we, we need a power of attorney. I was like, that's going to be difficult. I don't know how we're going to get that. And so then we go again and they're like, okay, well, you need a death certificate. So we get his death certificate. And then, oh, and you also need Gina's mom's death certificate. So we get that. And so we're bringing that before them. And, and then we go, and, you know, we just want to pay our taxes. And, and then it's like, no, now you need a notarized signature from all of their kids. And there's five kids throughout the whole United States. And we're just like, how are we going to do this? And so we brought everything together. Anybody ever been caught in a governmental paperwork loop before? <laughs> it's horrible. Like, how do you get out of one of those things? You know, and you're looking at the website, they say do that, you call this person, that person, and you're like, and so finally, we, we didn't have everything they asked. We just had everything that we could, and I lay it on the desk, and we were like, we are here. <laughs> we are here to pay our taxes. May we, may we please pay our taxes. And so then uh, the, the person at the desk looks at our stuff, and she says, sure. Doom. I mean, I was about to argue. You know, I was getting ready to tell her, well, this is why you got in. Like, sure, okay. You know, if you ever, like, if you have passport trouble or if you ever get in a governmental paperwork loop, what you do is you pray, oh, God, would you please just give me an advocate? 
Would you just please give me, there's got to be somebody there who'll take my paper from this box and stick it in this box. (laughs) Would you please just get my paperwork to that guy or that gal? And so that's what I felt like. I was like, oh, we've been trying and trying and trying. And then we have this advocate who says, yeah, I'll help you. So thank you. They're sweet, by the way, at our, I, I love them over at our county building there. And then they're very helpful. Governmental rules are not helpful, but they are helpful, right? And we have this advocate. Jesus is already on your side. Jesus is already fighting for you. Like your paperwork comes to him. He's like, how can I approve this? I want to see this work. And see, we try to bring our case before God, right? But you don't understand, he is already making your case for you. And he does it through the lens of our great high priest, Jesus. And you actually have to work really, really hard to fail because he's for you. I mean, you really got to try if you want to screw your life up and your faith up and your walk with Jesus because he's covering you and he's interceding for you and he's actually heading things off at the pass for you. It's beautiful. But there's, it even gets better. There's something even more amazing about this. And so we're going to go over to 1 Peter to find it here. Now, Jesus is our high priest, giving us access. But I want to show you the, the, the next thing that comes from him being our high priest. This is so good. It's 1 Peter 2, 9. And he says, so you are a chosen people. And here it is right now. You are a royal priesthood. That's amazing. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. This is amazing. Because of Jesus, there's not one priest Because of Jesus, we are all priests. You are a royal priesthood, which means because of Jesus, you have direct access to God, that you can go into his throne of grace with confidence to find mercy in your time of need, that you can confess your sins directly. You used to need to go to the priest, have him do a sacrifice for you. Ah, finally, my sin is dealt with. Now what you do is you wake up. Lord, I've sinned. Please forgive me and your sin is dealt with forever and completely. This is an amazing thing. You know, one of the things that I can't stand when people, every once in a while, I'll hear someone say, hey, um, pastor, um, would you put a prayer in for me because uh, you've got a direct line with the big guy. And I'm just like, I've got the same line you've got. You are just as much of a priest as I am, right? And if, if I have a line to God, You know what it comes from? It comes from being in his word. It comes from seeking him and listening and praying and fasting and saying, Lord, we need to know. And because he says that if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. And if you don't have a line, it's because you're not putting in the work. Don't expect your grandma to do the work for you, right? Well, grandma's always praying. Why aren't you always praying? You know, if you don't have a line to God, it's because you haven't picked up the phone. You're a priest. I'm a priest. We are all priests. Now, in many denominations, only priests are allowed to administer communion, right? 
Only the priest or the pastor can baptize people. Only, only the pastor or priest can evangelize. Only the priest can teach. And I just, I don't know if you know, but it is the exact same way here at Grace Community Church. But here's the thing. You're a priest. You're all priests. You have full access. You can do, listen, if you want to go lead your family in communion, lead your family in communion. That's our theology. If you've got a friend who wants to be baptized, Take them, get a, get a wetsuit, but take them over to the Uncompagre. Now, we're happy to do it here, right? And we love to do it all together. But you're a priest. And I, I don't care how old you are. I don't care your gender. I don't care how trained you are. You're a royal priesthood, every single one of us. And we have the same line, and we have the same Holy Spirit. And, and regardless, and what a disservice we've done to think like, well, only the pastor hears or knows that our leaders, they have some sort of special revelation or special connection. And what a disservice the pastors have done that we would ever put, I'm sorry if I've ever put a facade that, that, that said that, you know, well, I've got kind of a little more Holy Spirit than you. I've got a little more connection than you. Absolutely false. You are a royal priesthood. I am a royal priesthood. We both have the same brokenness. We have the same connection, the same redemption, the same healing. What a beautiful thing that God has brought us into that. Now, as priests, we praise. That's what priests do, right? We have direct praise. We can confess our sins, deal with sin directly because of Jesus. But you know what another function of a priest is? A priest is an advocate and an interceder. We see that Jesus intercedes and advocates for us, right? So, I think to, to infer from that is that one of our jobs is to advocate for other people, to intercede, to actually bring them before the Father and the Son, to take our lost ones, our loved ones. Anybody have a loved one that's lost? Anyone have a loved one who's now with Jesus? I do. And I think what I can do is I can just bring them right to the Father and say, God, pay attention to them. Look at them. I think that when you pray for those lost ones, that it actually puts a spotlight right on them. And God says, okay, we see them. I mean, he always sees them and he loves them, but he listens to you. So I actually think right now, we should perform one of our priestly duties. And I think we should, let's just take a minute. I want you to think about that loved one who's lost. And let's just pray for him. And I want you to know that as you do this right now, right here in this service, that as you do it, you are bringing them right before the Father and the Son. He is listening and he is paying attention and putting the spotlight on them. Okay, so let's just do it. Let's pray. So Lord, all these loved ones, God, who are so dear to us, Lord, you know, you know the one in my heart. God, I, I pray that you, that you would just put the spotlight on her right now. Lord, that you would be mindful of her and that you would draw her near to you. Lord, Lord, I pray that you would surround her and bring Abigails into her life and bring people, Lord, just to intervene. Draw her to you, Lord. Chase after her. Give her every single chance and then another chance, Lord. And you guys pray. Pray for that one right now. Just pray for those people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that every single prayer you heard. Thank you, God, that, that we're with you and that you're paying attention, Lord, and that you're interceding for them as we intercede for them.
I want to show you guys this is just it's so amazing. We've, we've talked about this passage before. But Jesus says, as he's praying for his disciples in uh, John 17, 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning it's not just for the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guess who that is? That's you and me. So he was praying for us back then. Isn't that amazing? What does he pray for us? That all of them may be one, loves unity. But then this is incredible. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me. It's incredible. That, that they may be one as we are one, in one. And check this out. I in them, you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let, them, let the world know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Do you understand that when we come before the Father, that we, it is me and you and the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and we are all together. And that Jesus, that God hears your prayers as if they were Jesus' prayers. Do you know you have that kind of pull with him? That's amazing. You know, and we're living in this Old Testament way of thinking like, I got to find my way to God. I got to get God to hear me. But Hebrews 7 tells us that there's a change in the priesthood. And since there's a change in the priesthood, there's a change in the law. It's not like that anymore. He is listening to you and he's talking to you. And he's strategizing and actually talking about the very things that you're bringing forward to him in prayer. It's amazing the access that we have through this great high priest. Ephesians 2.16 says that we are seated in the heavenlies. And it says are, not will be. So, so what that tells me is we've got a place right there. We've got a place in heaven. Right there with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that he pays just as much attention to your prayers as he does to Jesus' intercession. That's amazing. I mean, what would your life look like if there were no barriers between you and God? Because there aren't. There are no barriers between you and God. And what would your life, your life look like if sin didn't keep pulling you back away from God? Because you know what? It doesn't. And what would your life look like if your prayers carried the same weight and power as Jesus' prayers do? Because they do. And what would life be like for you if your connection with God was as close and as intimate as it was with the dearest family member that you have? Because it is permanent and it's complete. And here we have this empathizing priest interceding on our behalf. That's one of the reasons that, that I often say that, that heaven doesn't start when you die. Heaven starts when you're born again. And you experience heaven when you live like someone who is born again. When you realize what it means to be born again. And yes, when we get to heaven, we will fully know and we will fully see. But we will not fully know and fully see what we one day hope to achieve. We will fully know and fully see what we always had in him because he lives to intercede for us. That we always had audience with him. That we've always had power. That we've always had his presence. We've always had his help. We've always had his delight. We've always had the attention of our Heavenly Father. What access we have through this great high priest. What blessed assurance we have that Jesus is yours. That Jesus is with me and in me, moving through me. Lord, I thank you so much that you are our great high priest. 
And Lord, it's just lost on us. We don't understand, Lord. We've just been taking it for granted, the access that we have. But Lord, we know it wasn't always that way and that because of you now, it always will be that way. We thank you, Father, that we can walk with you and that we can talk with you and that we are seated in the heavenlies, that there's a place for us in your throne room. Thank you that you are mindful of us. You're always with us, Lord. Thank you for the great power you have given us. And Lord, I pray that we would live and walk and move like priests of the living God that you have made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.